Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of John. That's the fourth Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to be in chapter 14 this morning. We're going to continue in our series, Know What You Believe. We've looked at the Bible being the Word of God, uh, the attributes of God, the person of Jesus, and today we're looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to be reading John 14, beginning in verse 16 through 18. It says, here's Jesus speaking, and He said, And I will pray the Father, and then He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. For He dwells within you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And we want to pause and have prayer again. Lord, will you help us today to be able to gain wisdom and understanding as far as the Holy Spirit. Thank you for letting us be able to study about things that we believe and just, just helping us to refocus and just be reminded of these truths. And may it cause us, Lord, to be able to continue to grow in wisdom and knowledge and to have doors open to be able to minister to others and to be able to share and help others. And most of all, be able to honor the Lord Jesus Christ helping others to find Him. Bless us now, and may you just minister, and we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Holy Spirit sometimes is difficult to understand. And, uh, you know, there's some people that are cynics. There was one cynic that was talking with the Christian about the Holy Spirit. And he said, I don't think there is a Holy Spirit. He said, I can't see Him. So I don't think He exists. So he asked the Christian. He said, have you ever seen the Holy Spirit? Christian said, no. He said, well, have you ever tasted the Holy Spirit? He said, no. He said, have you ever smelled the Holy Spirit? He said, no. He said, there you go. I don't think that the Holy Spirit exists. So the Christian responded, and he said, well, have you ever seen your brain? The skeptic said, no. He said, have you ever tasted your brain? He said, no. Have you ever smelled your brain? He said, no. He said, well, how do we know your brain exists? Well, you may have a point. Hey, Jesus, he said, the Holy Spirit's like the wind. The wind's something that you can't see, but you certainly can feel the wind, and you certainly see the consequences or the results of the wind. And that's true with the Holy Spirit. Let me point out one other thing before we delve into this. The Holy Spirit is actually person. In other words, it's not an object, it's not an it. You can't call the Holy Spirit it. Many people, when they refer to the Holy Spirit, they say it. Holy Spirit, person. We were created in the image of God. God's not created in our image, we were created in the image of God. You know what that means? That's the reason we were able to reason. The Holy Spirit can reason. You read through the Bible, the Spirit reasons. The Holy Spirit feels Holy Spirit has emotions, grieves, loves, has emotions just like we do. The Holy Spirit is a person. And so we're created in His image, in God's image, and so the Holy Spirit has all those attributes that God would have. Many people 
as far as the Holy Spirit goes, they think the Holy Spirit just came on the scene at Pentecost. But that's not true. The Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is eternal. And so therefore, the Holy Spirit is, didn't just show up at Pentecost. It took on a new role at Pentecost. But the Holy Spirit's been active from the very beginning. And so, let's just take a look at the Old Testament. And by the way, the, Holy, the Spirit of God is mentioned in the Old Testament 88 times. Very active in the Old Testament. And you can go all the way back to creation. The Holy Spirit was there at creation and took part in creation. Paul Little said this. He said, you know, the Father originates, the Son reveals, and it's the Spirit that executes. Creation is from the Father, through the Son, but by the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 1, back at the very beginning, in verse number 2 says this, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. There's the Holy Spirit. Back in verse 26, when he's talking about creating human beings, he said, let us. Who is that? We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. The Trinity. So, let us. That's God the Father. Let us. That's God the Son. Let us. That's the Holy Spirit. All three of them at creation and at work in creation. You see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, not just at creation, but you see the Holy Spirit working with God's servants, with God's people. For example, in the book of Judges, the Bible tells us in Judges chapter 3, when it's talking about Atheno, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him. When it talks about Samson, Judges chapter 14, verse 6, that the Holy Spirit came upon him. And so throughout the book of Judges, when God is working with people, the Holy Spirit would come upon them. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit lived within them, came upon them to empower them and help them to be able to do certain tasks. Now here was the problem. Just as the Holy Spirit was able to come upon people, it would also depart people. And we saw that with King Saul, as king, the Holy Spirit came upon him to help him. But because he did not serve God, because he rebelled against God, we're told, 1 Samuel, in chapter 16, verse 14, that the Spirit of God left him, departed from him. We see that with Samson in the book of Judges. Chapter 14, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. But guess what? In chapter, I think it's chapter 16, he departs. The unfortunate thing about Samson, he didn't even realize it. He got up to be able to use his strength again without even realizing that the Spirit of God had departed from him. So it's a little different in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit didn't live within people, but come upon people. And then the Holy Spirit was certainly at work in providing the Scriptures so when the prophet said, Thus saith the Lord, they were being led by the Spirit of God. Here's what Ezekiel wrote. This is in Ezekiel 2, chapter 2, verse 2. He said, The Spirit of God has came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard Him speaking to me. See, the reason that the, the prophets went and spoke to people, 
the reason the prophets had a message to share with people was because the Spirit of God had come upon them and had given them that message and sent them to be able to make a difference. And so the whole point of this is just to let you know that God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He's not new. He didn't just show up in the New Testament. He was active in the Old Testament. He was active throughout history, throughout creation. He's God. So, that being said, let's go back to our text today. We go back to Jesus' ministry, and here's what Jesus had to say. He knew that His ministry would soon come to an end. He would be able to die upon the cross, and He was going to ascend. But things were going to change. The Holy Spirit was going to have a new role. And so, that's what Jesus says. So let's, let's go back and, and read Look at verse 16 again. He said, I'm going to pray to the Father. You're going to need some help. So I'm going to pray to God, to the Father, and He's going to give you another helper, a, a counselor, another advocate. He's going to give you and provide for you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be able to help you. Now, the Holy Spirit, how does He begin to work in our lives? Well, Jesus talks more about the Holy Spirit in chapter 15 and chapter 16. And in chapter 16, he mentions some things that I, I want to point out for us here. So if you're taking notes, write this verse down. John 16, it's actually verse 8 through verse 11. John 16, verse 8 through 11. And here's what he says. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, he said, When He comes, He will convict the world of sin. So Jesus said this, this Holy Spirit, the counselor is going to come and he's going to be like a doctor. Now when you go to a doctor, what do you want that doctor to tell you? The truth. And by the way, Jesus referred to the Spirit as the Spirit of truth. You want him, whether it's good or bad, to tell you what's going on in your life. And so the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to share with us the truth. The good things, the bad things. And one of the things that's going to be revealed is our sin. The word convict, by the way, here means to convince. It means uh, to reprove. It's used in the book of Ephesians. Paul uses it in the book of Ephesians, and there he talks about it as light exposing. And it's the same word. So it's translated in Ephesians as exposed. The, the, so the Holy Spirit convicts us or exposes our sin to us. He helps us to see our condition. There's a lot of people that say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not that bad of a person. I'm not really a sinner. And here's the problem. They're comparing themselves to their neighbor. We start comparing ourselves to one another, then the next thing you know, we convince ourselves, I'm not too bad. But when the Holy Spirit is present, he begins to convict us and help us to see our true condition. That we are sinners. And there are consequences to our sin. And there's separation from God. There's eventual death. Something needs to be done. And so He convicts us of sin. He doesn't just convict us of sin. But at the same time, He convicts us of righteousness. You see, He helps us to be able to see Jesus is the right one we need to compare ourselves to, and Jesus is completely righteous. We're not perfect, but Jesus is. 
We're not holy, but Jesus is. We do not meet the standard of Jesus Christ. We fall short. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that is able to convince us of who Jesus is. You know, I can get up and I can share and manipulate and I can do all kinds of things, but the only way that you're going to be convinced and the only way that it's going to make a difference as far as eternity is if the Holy Spirit is at work. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that reveals to us the real truth of who we are and who Jesus is. And then he also mentions judgment. There's three things he convicts us of. Sin, righteousness, judgment. Judgment is coming. See, that's how come we're going to have to act. Because judgment is going to take place. Judgment happened on the cross. Satan was actually defeated upon the cross. Satan's destiny has been settled. Now he has some freedom and he has some power right now, but you count on this. It's already been settled. He's lost. Jesus won upon the cross. And your judgment, it could have been settled on the cross because Jesus paid for your sin. And if you're willing to uh, allow Him to be able to be your Lord and Savior, then your judgment has taken place and has been settled as far as the sin debt. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And by the way, that is what leads to real repentance, a turning from sin. That is what leads to a faith in Jesus Christ. Because the Spirit of God does that conviction and convincing of your sin and of Christ. And so that's what leads to repentance. It's what leads to faith. It's what leads to what we call being born again. And when that happens, when a person is born again, you receive the Spirit of God. Jesus talked about that in John 3. And that brings us to the next point, which is this. When you receive the Spirit of God, He indwells believers. Now that's a lot different than the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, He came up on people. And then therefore, He was able to depart. But here, in the New Testament, when you've received True forgiveness from Christ. The Holy Spirit indwells believers. He comes and lives within us. We're born of the Spirit. That consists in being baptized in the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit first came, Jesus told the disciples, He said, you need to wait together until the Spirit comes. He will baptize you. John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but there's one who's coming and will baptize you with the Spirit. And Jesus, when we receive Christ, He baptizes us with the Spirit of God. And that means that we're immersed. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within us. Here's the truth of the matter. You don't get any more of the Holy Spirit any time in your life than what you've got now. That's being baptized. How many times can you be baptized once? It happens when you become a Christian. The Holy Spirit indwells you. Now, there is something that happens that can happen multiple times, and that's being filled with the Spirit. There's a difference. Being filled with the Spirit is when the Holy Spirit is in complete control. And He gives us power, wisdom, to be able to do and handle situations that normally we couldn't. That's being filled with the Spirit of God. Paul talks about that in Ephesians. In Ephesians, he says, 
Don't be drunk with wine in excess. In other words, when a person is drunk, they're giving control of themselves over to the substance, to alcohol. They're not in control. And Paul said, you don't want to do that. But what you want to do is give control to the Spirit of God. And when you give control over to alcohol, there's people that do things they don't remember doing. And they certainly would never have done those things. And they regret and they're embarrassed by many things that they do because of alcohol. But when the Spirit of God is in control, you don't regret it. When the Spirit of God is in control, you remember it. The Spirit of God is able to use you then to accomplish things, tasks that he, you would never be able to accomplish. That's being filled with the Spirit. And then, let me remind you this, the Holy Spirit seals us. In other words, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit could depart, but the Holy Spirit's not going to depart from you because you've been sealed. That's like being stamped. Let me just remind you of a couple of verses just in case maybe you disagree. Here's a couple of verses for you to think about. One is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, verse 14. Here's what it says. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, speaking of Jesus, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also having Believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means you were marked. Slaves in the Old Testament, they were marked. People today, when they have their cattle or animals, they brand them, they mark them. That's mine. You were marked by God. You're His possession. The Holy Spirit is that mark. Verse 14 says, who is the guarantee of your inheritance? How do you know that heaven is yours? The Holy Spirit is your guarantee. In other words, it's a word that means He is your down payment. Paul's going to talk about in 2 Corinthians, he's going to talk about Him being our surety, our earnest. It's like a down payment. So if you want to buy a house... You can make a down payment. And people like, okay, we're holding this for you. It's yours. God gives us a down payment. And it's the Spirit of God. And so He doesn't depart from us. And that is good to know. So the Holy Spirit is the promised counselor that Jesus tells us about. And so not only does Jesus tell us that the Holy Spirit is the promised counselor, counselor but as the promised counselor when he's at work in our lives he's at work providing for us gifts he comes when the Holy Spirit indwells us he comes bearing gifts or at least one gift and so we're told every single believer receives some type of gift from the Holy Spirit there's many gifts but everybody's going to get at least one every single person they're speaking gifts and they're serving gifts. And those are the two primary types of gifts. Speaking, serving. And you may say, well, I don't want the speaking gift. Well, listen. Speaking gifts doesn't necessarily mean public speaking. There is different gifts, but there's a variety of ways to use them. And there's a variety of ministries that can take, they can take place. 
And so some people have speaking gifts, but it's more private. It's more where they're doing discipling. It's more where they're doing encouragement. Sometimes it is teaching. But nevertheless, every single person is gifted. Sometimes it's service. And then why does the Holy Spirit gift every single person? So that every single person, if you're a Christian, I want you to listen to this, every single Christian can participate in honoring and glorifying Jesus Christ, making a difference in His church, and helping people to know Jesus Christ. And so it's not just one person that does that, or a handful of people. Every single person is gifted. John Ed Matheson who's retired now about 15 years ago, but he was pastor of a United Methodist church in Montgomery, Alabama. He said, everybody that, when you join their church, they tell you, you can't join unless you're going to participate in some type of ministry. You've got to use a gift. And he said, we eliminated positions every year, and every year we added them. And we let people be creative. He said, we had dog ministries. We had all kinds of ministries Because we want people to use their gifts. God gifts every Christian so that they can participate in making a difference in the kingdom. Now, who determines this? Well, think about it. What did Jesus call the Holy Spirit? The counselor. He's full of wisdom. And so here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Talking about the Holy Spirit. He distributes each one as He wills. He's the one that decides. So it's not like I'm going to go to a store and say, I want this gift and that gift. The Holy Spirit decides who receives what gifts. Now, He may add to the number of gifts that you have, especially as you're faithful. But He's the one that determines it because of His wisdom. And by the way, when God is putting churches together, When it's done correctly, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing it. He adds people to the congregation as He sees fit to be able to bless and help that congregation. So guess what? I don't go out and say, you know, I'm going to pick this person and this person and this person to be part of the church. Because you know what happens? It doesn't work. But when the Spirit of God works, He said, I want this person and this person and I'm going to make this church click. Because He brings people together. And, why does He give people like that? It's for the profit of all the church. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. He said, the manifestation, or when God reveals these gifts, makes them known, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. He doesn't give you a gift so that you can be honored. So people can point their finger and say how great you are. He gives you a gift so Jesus Christ can be honored and people can be ministered to. So Peter adds to that. 1 Peter 4.10 he says, Each one has received a gift, so minister it to one another. You use that gift to be able to benefit others. That's the purpose. And so the Holy Spirit is a gift giver. He makes a difference. The Holy Spirit is not just a gift giver. But the Holy Spirit also produces fruit in each believer's life. And this is the most important thing. 
when you want to ask yourself, am I really a good Christian? Who's the greatest Christian? Is it people are the most gifted? Not necessarily. It's the people that produce the most fruit. Paul talked about fruit in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Here he said this. He said, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Or said temperance, self-control. He said those are qualities that take place in a person's life. If they're controlled by the Spirit of God, those qualities are going to come out because Spirit produces those. By the way, the Holy Spirit is trying to make you look more and more like Jesus Christ. And the more you look like Jesus Christ, the more this fruit's going to be evident. Love, joy, and peace. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control or temperance. How does the Holy Spirit develop that kind of character? Well, Jesus, when He was teaching, He taught there in John 14, 15, and 16 about the Holy Spirit. And in John 15, Jesus talked about producing fruit. And so in John 15, Jesus basically tells us it happens through the pruning process. So look what he says in verse, uh, verse 2 of chapter 15. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. The Lord said, you know, I want you to have character. Character that's going to make a difference, that's going to have an impact. And so to do that, I'm going to have to do some pruning. Pruning means cutting. That sounds painful. <laughs> I'm not much one for pain. But pain helps to develop character. And God uses it to develop character. You know what pain will do? Difficulties, adversity. It will cause us to be able to pray more than we normally do. So when we're pruned, we pray more. It'll cause us to reevaluate our priorities. So whenever we're pruned, we rethink things, reshape things. You see, there's some things going on in our lives. It's not that they're bad, but they're not really benefiting the Lord. You and me, they're taking up time. And so sometimes the Lord works to prune and get rid of things that's just unnecessary out of our lives so that we could be able to develop character and a better focus and have better priorities. So He prunes. You look at a tree that's been pruned, you might think, oh, I just don't know if that's going to work. But you talk to anybody that knows something about fruit trees. You know what they'll tell you? Those things need to be pruned. And when they're pruned, they're going to produce lots more and better quality. So that's what the Lord does. So notice verse 2 again, what He said. He said, every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that He may bear, what's that say? More. More fruit. Look what he says in verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. The Lord is wanting us to be able to be productive. To have more and more character of Jesus Christ. And the more character you have of Christ, the more your difference you're going to make for His kingdom, you're going to bear fruit and much fruit. 
I'll be honest with you. Sometimes we make things too hard. And we just think it's just impossible to serve God, to live for God. And we try and we work as hard as we can. And here's the problem, we're working too much. Because it can't be done through you, it's done through Him. The Holy Spirit living within us. As I allow the Holy Spirit to be able to live within me, to take it, He will produce that fruit. You'll be able to be productive and to make a difference. If you will accept His pruning, He's going to help you to produce much more fruit than you ever could ever dream or imagine. And the next thing you know, as you go through the years and you look back, you've accomplished much more than you ever thought it was possible. Covering the Holy Spirit is a big task. And we covered a lot today. But today, here's what I want to ask you. Just knowing what we've looked at. Are you here today and you feel His conviction? Maybe it is you don't know Christ. And He's working and He's providing conviction. It's why He's working and moving. That's the time to act and respond. And He's bringing conviction because He's leading you to repentance and placing faith in Him. Now, not only does He do that with people that are not Christians, but you know, He still does that with Christians. If you're doing things that you shouldn't do, guess what He's doing? He is providing conviction and He's going to want you to come back to repentance so that He could be in charge of your life. Maybe today that speaks to some of you. Or maybe it is you don't understand gifts. And you've not been serving God or trying to use a gift. And you just want to rededicate yourself. Say, I, I, want, I want to be able to do more. To do something. Or maybe you realize today, character does matter. You're trying to do all these other things to help balance things out. But you don't have the character. The fruit's missing. You just want to come and be able to rededicate yourself and ask, seek the Lord's forgiveness. This is a time in which the Spirit of God, He's at work in our lives. Let's make it a sacred time. and Let's make it a time which God is pleased and honored and glorified. Let's pray together. Lord, will You bless this time now? Lord, as we take time to examine ourselves and where we're at, I just ask that Your Holy Spirit that we could just sense You working and moving. And Lord, that people would recognize You are real. The Spirit of God is not something in our imagination. But the Holy Spirit's real. And people that are in conviction, may You help them to be able to make the choices that need to be made today. Give them courage. May You be honored and glorified. And I thank You for this time now. And we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going